Welcome back, everybody, to the House of Hustle podcast on Sports Radio 810. We are presented, as always, by Charlie Hustle. I'm Jarrett Sutton. I'm joined, as always, by Stephen St. John. We are starting our second year of the House of Hustle podcast. Just got college basketball started up a few days ago. NBA's in full swing. Women's basketball's getting started. Basketball's back. It's a great time of the year. Stephen, how are we doing? I'm doing good. I know basketball's back, but I'm looking at charliehustle.com. I need this. What you got? Luther Burden the Third T-shirt. I have that. I don't. I repped that yesterday, by the way. I'm I'm repping the old school KC heart. So I want to rep this. Got some uh, yeah. got some new Mizzou swag in over the last. I think they just released their new Mizzou edition over the last couple weeks. So, bro, they got some nice. They got uh, some gear. Kansas City Ruse UMKC basketball gear as well. So I need to head down to Charlie Hustle. Go to charliehustle.com to uh, get some gear for the uh, basketball fan in your life. You know, it's almost Christmas. Yep. So why don't you give me uh, the Luther Burden shirt for Christmas, people? If yep. anyone's listening. Got the uh, the authentic vintage jacket, the Mizzou right. jacket with a tiger paw. Rocked that uh, Mizzou homecoming. That was a uh, a popular item that was being asked about. So all your your new, fresh gear from from Charlie Hustle uh, can't beat it. So get to uh, charliehustle.com. And, yeah, Christmas right around the corner. So great, great gift idea. And so I saw that you uh, was uh, you were on the broadcast crew for the Mizzou opener. Yeah, the other night, who did Mizzou play? Played Arkansas Pine Bluff. All right then. Uh, great crowd. Students were great. What about um, the atmosphere? A little bit different at Mizzou Arena now. A little bit different. Yeah, they've uh, they've made some upgrades, some additions. Uh, first off, they so they made the announcement over the summer that they were changing the seats from gold to black. Black seats, baby. And I. I thought like, okay, you know, that's great. I, I didn't take it, you know, to, to be mean like, oh, it's going to be such a game changer. It was, it was great, but I kind of, you know, not blew it off, but just didn't think it was going to be something that really made any sort of difference. Well, let me tell you, it did. The arena looks great. The black seats are fantastic. Uh, it definitely gives just a different appeal to the arena. It looks like it's just gotten a facelift, but the biggest thing is the video board. They got a brand new... Uh, state-of-the-art video board. It is an NBA type of video board, um, which is great for broadcasters because you get all the live stats right there in front of you underneath the scoreboard, and you can look right at it. So it was great addition to the broadcast. Um, but just the the lighting system too. The floor now has any you know pregame or timeout. The lighting system in the arena, and that includes the floor. Um, the floor will light up this year. It's it's fantastic. It it makes the in-game experience. That much better. I thought Mizzou did a great job last year in year one with Dennis Gates to just make the in-game experience, especially during timeouts, more engaging for fans, uh, more exciting for the students, and they've added more, and the arena looks great. So that that was a definite takeaway right when you walk in the arena. It looks brand new again, and you know it was built in, opened in 05, and it looks great. So it's another upgrade. It's a, it's a small thing that actually makes a big impact and a big difference um, in just the in-game experience. So that was that was great right out of the gate, right when we got to the arena. So let's try to pick out, because we'll be talking about these teams throughout the, uh, throughout the season, maybe pick out a new face or two from each of the local schools that we talk about. Uh, I want to ask you about Tamar Bates. Oh, yeah. Who had a big debut for Mizzou. Uh, this is a kid that, uh, he's a local kid that went to Indiana, highly touted recruit, Transfers back, uh, back closer to home, back to Mizzou. What uh, what do the Tigers have in Tamar Bates? Yeah, so Tamar, local kid, like you said, um, probably six five, six six two guard. Um, 
you know, looking for a change of scenery, really, coming to Mizzou. A totally different style of play Tamara's playing at Mizzou. Very fast-paced, very up, up-tempo. Piper um, High School in KCK. Piper was a top 25 high school recruit. Uh, played at IMG Academy. Uh, shot 40% at IMG Academy from three. He was a very talented prospect. So when Indiana got him, I remember going to see him practice when he was a freshman at Indiana. Um, and obviously the way Indiana played and there was a coaching change, um, you know, with, with Woody coming on and being the head coach, Mike Woodson, um, a little bit of a different type of, of, of player in terms of how that system fit him with Tamar. Uh, that offense was built around Trace Jackson Davis, uh, who was one of the best players in the Big Ten uh, in each of the last few seasons. Uh, and Tamar shot the ball really well. He shot 37%. He was second on the team in Indiana from three. But just didn't really get that much much volume. Uh, he played about 20 minutes per game. He got 23 minutes, I believe, last night, or excuse me, two nights ago against Arkansas Pine Bluff. He was great. Uh, you saw the three-point shooting. You saw his ability to attack the rim. He had a highlight reel dunk in transition where he was well above the rim, threw it down with his left hand. Uh, crowd was so into it at that point. Um, just a really athletic, long, versatile wing. And he can play multiple positions. Um, this is someone Coach Gates is excited about because he adds a player that's got size, that is athletic, uh, that can shoot the ball, uh, and is completely bought in. And I thought he played hard. He let the game come to him. We interviewed him after the game, and Tamar was very open and very honest that you know he's talked to Coach Gates closed door multiple times of, of just what Coach Gates wants from him. Um, and he's going to do everything that's asked of him and he did that in game one, and he was terrific. And he came off the bench to do so. So really impactful night uh, for him and, and just excited for what he's going to bring. Seven of nine from the field, three of three from three. Um, just really efficient, and that's something Coach Gates stresses all the time. Your offensive efficiency, your defensive efficiency, no empty minutes. When you're on the floor, be productive with your minutes, and Tamar was, was excellent. All right, another uh, newcomer to Mizzou. I want to ask you about the Big 12 fans will be very familiar with Caleb Grill who played at Iowa State. What does he bring to uh, the Tigers? Yeah, so one of six from three in the first game, um, that is an anomaly. He's such a great shooter. One of six is a bad night for him. He's not going to go one of six that many times. Um, the biggest thing that Mizzou fans can look forward to with Caleb Grill, he is a much better athlete than people give him credit for. I mean, he's highly, highly explosive, and, and he's got some verticality to him. He can get off the floor. In pregame warm-up, um, me and Ben Arnett, who calls the game with me, we were sitting there watching warm-ups, and I was shocked. I mean, he's he's doing, you know, reverse dunks and warm-ups and really, like, just getting to the rim and rising up off the floor and throwing it down with ease, and he had a big-time dunk against Arkansas Pine Bluff in transition where you saw his speed with the ball. He is a shooter. Uh, that is his role, but he can do other things than just shoot. Uh, he's a very smart player. That jumps out. High basketball IQ. Um, he defends. He can really get after the ball. There are many possessions against Arkansas Pine, Pine Bluff where Missouri was you know, going small like they do, and they switch everything, one through five. And sometimes he was on the top guarding the ball in switches for 20, 20, 20 seconds, 25 seconds of a possession, and he's just sitting there guarding the ball in isolation and keeping the ball in front, moving laterally, in a stance, not popping up out of his stance. Uh, Mizzou fans should be excited that this, this player fits the Des Moines Hodge role, the 3 and D role. That's what they're expecting from him. He's a lethal shooter, and he was one for six. And I thought a lot of that was just dead legs. I mean, he he plays so relentlessly hard. Uh, he's highly competitive. Uh, he had some great rebounds. I believe he had seven rebounds, and that's something 
that this coaching staff wanted to identify guys that would go rebound. Uh, Tanji, John Tanji, who didn't play, he's coming back from an injury. Um, great rebounding guard, uh, Tamar Bates. Really good rebounder when he sticks his nose in and goes to the glass. That they have guys that will go rebound the ball. Obviously, they've they've addressed size and other areas uh, at the forwards at the center position. But this Caleb Grill, he's going to be an impact right away, and I would expect him to start most every game. Coach Gates really, you know, changes the starting lineups. He changes his rotations. We saw that a lot last year. That's going to continue to be the case this year. They have so many guys they can play. That's that's the depth piece uh, to Mizzou. But Caleb Grill. Huge part of what this Mizzou team is going to be this year. They needed to add rebounding. Yep. Size. Did they do it? Yes, they did. Connor Vanover uh, did not play in the first game. Uh, he's serving a three-game suspension. Which is, uh, <laughs> I'll say it, Yep. more, if this was hot mic, I would say the real words, BS from the NCAA. Stupid. Sorry. Hey, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. I, I, it was told to me before the game that he was suspended, and I, I didn't know the reasoning behind it. Then I was told, and it involved – the, the Portsmouth uh, event, and um, yeah, I had a lot of question marks myself. Of I, I didn't really follow how that was possible, just giving the timing, too, of when Portsmouth is and his return to college. So that's a whole other story, but Connor Vanover not going to play for the first three games, uh, 7-4, and, or excuse me, probably 7-5, really, when you think about it. That's it's why he wears 75. If you look, every, like every bio has something different. Like he has one bio that's seven four, one seven six. He's huge. And then if you just Google, he's seven five. Point is, he's taller he's than huge. me. I he's huge. I, I stood next to him in pregame, and I, he's all of at least seven three for they, sure. He's huge. That, that picture when they went to media day of him and Nick Honor next to each other, it looked like a like a, a very proud father yes, with his son. Yes, it did. It was <laughs> it was uh, the t- tale of two sizes there. Um, and. Speaking of which, I mean, great to have Nick Honor back, right? In terms of bringing it's, back, it's an honor. It's an honor. It's uh, it's great to have a guy that takes care of the ball, great assist to turnover, best assist to turnover, returning to the SEC. So, um, but but yeah, I mean, size in in terms of Connor brings obviously great rim protection. He led the Summit League in block shots, Defensive Player of the Year, first team All League at the Summit League, has SEC experience, played for for Eric Musselman at Arkansas. Um, he's a guy that that. I'm curious to see how he gets incorporated into how Mizzou defends because they're very switch heavy. I don't know if they'll drop with Connor and the ball screen. I'm, I'm really curious how they work Connor into their defensive scheme and philosophy. We'll see how that works. But rim protection, rebounding, two huge things. Connor brings that. But how about you know some of the freshmen? Jordan Butler played um, the other the other night and didn't play a lot of minutes, but played five. And you know he's a guy that's a legit seven footer, and he's got the ability to shoot the ball. Uh, he had a baseline weak side dunk as his first college bucket that uh, was great for him just because the, the the fans were involved in it and the the, the students and, and just the, the bench was so engaged when Jordan had that dunk. But, um, yes, true seven-footer, Trent Pierce, 6'8", um, long freshman, going to be a wing, power forward. He can go rebound the basketball. Um, you know, you got Noah Carter back uh, who had six rebounds the other night, good rebounder. So they, they identify size. Obviously, Aiden Shaw is the biggest piece to this rebounding thing because Aiden Shaw has all the ability in the world to go rebound the basketball and really just grab the ball off the rim if he wants to. Um, he had nine rebounds the other night, seven defensively. That's going to earn him minutes. Uh, his minutes were very spotty last year. They are expecting a lot from him, but what they want him to do is just embrace who he is and keep the game simple. In terms of rebounding, Aiden Shaw is just so athletic, so explosive off the ground, um, great laterally, can switch everywhere, one through five. Um, but just he, he showed that he was playing harder the other night, showed some toughness, was grabbing some some rebounds in traffic that were tough rebounds, had a couple steals. 
um, blocked, I believe it was five shots, and just was everywhere. Played smart, uh, played within himself, offensively didn't force, um, showed some touch finishing, and then obviously his ability to just go cut and dunk balls. Um, I think Nick Honor and, and Aiden Shaw on the floor are great because Nick's going to want Aiden to cut all the time. You know, try to find yourself around the rim, be active, uh, keep moving, you know, don't stand, don't stand in the corner like he did sometimes last year. And, you know, when you have Nick Honor, who is a pass-first point guard, and Sean East, who's a pass-first point guard, this team shares it. They're very unselfish. I, I hope Aiden Shaw, you know, gets 8 to 10 points just off cutting, just being active, move without the ball. You don't need the ball in your hands to be productive. Um, and we saw that in game one from Aiden Shaw, too. That was a great sign. Okay, before we move on to K-State, uh, simple question. Uh, uh, Mizzou expectations. I saw Joe's. You know, mind-numbingly, uh, Joe, Le- Joe uh, Lenardi already put out a bracket top. Yeah, of course. So, which, of course. Uh, and he has Mizzou is one of the first four out, mm. uh, not making the tournament, so whatever. But do you, or the expectations for Mizzou fans, should this team, based on what you see in this roster, is this a tournament team? Yeah, I, I think that's the, the expectation uh, should be high, I think, right now. Um you know, this team has to show and prove itself, and they've they've scheduled differently by design. Last year, we were talking about how Mizzou didn't play anybody before they got to the Kansas game when I believe they were 9-0. They you know, got Penny Hardaway on Friday. They got Memphis. They go to the barn in Minnesota. Uh, they go to Pitt. Uh, there's some some big games and road tests on their schedule, and then obviously they still get Illinois, Wichita State, Kansas. So it's a different uh, non-conference schedule that's by design. Uh, I think Coach really believes in this roster and wants them to face some adversity earlier than they faced last year. They had to overcome adversity last year, and they did that. Oh, by the way, they were picked 11th last year, and they finished 4th in the SEC, and they won an NCAA tournament game. So they overcame you know, the, these preseason polls and rankings to beat all expectations. They exceeded them um, throughout the season. They just felt like every time they got knocked down and, and really punched in the mouth, they, re- they responded. They, they always came back. This year's going to be different because, obviously, look, they, they don't have Kobe Brown. They don't have Des Moines Hodge. They don't have Trey Gomillion. They don't have DeAndre Golston. And, obviously, Isaiah Mosley didn't play much last year, and he was a big part of what their team was going to be going into the season expectation-wise. And they overcame all that. Um, now it's going to be a little different. I think they got 11 guys that could lead them in scoring – one random night, they got a lot of guys that can score. They got guys that come from high-level programs that are, are, are transfers from Indiana, Iowa State. Uh, you look at around Colorado State with Tanji, who is one of the better players in his league. So um, I, I think the expectations should be high. Obviously, Nick Honor, Noah Carter, Sean Easterback, they have that postseason experience. They're the veterans, the returners that understand what the expectation is and how this program is going to be run internally when in terms of, of leadership, those guys got to take that mantle. And there's still, like Coach Gates would say this, there's still roles that are being defined. Let's see as we get into the season who's going to be that guy late in games and big games that's going to step up. They didn't have Tanji. I would expect Tanji to play on Friday. Um, I think he's really important. They didn't play Kurt Lewis a lot. Kurt Lewis was a big-time scorer um, at, at the JUCO level, was one of the better players at the JUCO level. I think he could possibly help them at some point too. So it's a good roster. I think they'll be competitive. It's still early. Let's see how these roles get defined, but a team that absolutely should be there in March. Let's talk a little bit about K-State. We saw them this week lose in the Hall of Fame series in Las Vegas to USC, 82-69. We're going to ask you about a couple of newcomers to K-State's roster. It's always interesting uh, to see a player that was really, really good uh, in a smaller conference make his move to a big conference to see how, uh, you know, how he can make the transition. So I want to ask you about Tyler Perry. Yeah. 
who was the 2023 Conference USA Player of the Year, the NIT Most Outstanding Player. He played at Coffeyville Community College before he went to North Texas and had a heck of a career at uh, North Texas, has one year to play at K-State. And I'm looking uh, at Charlie Hustle. If you want to go look, K-State, charliehustle.com, he's already got a T-shirt that says Mr. Big Shot, Big Shot. Tyler Perry. Yep. And he's only played one game for K-State. And even though it was in a loss, that one game was pretty good because he put up some good numbers uh, the other night against USC. In 35 minutes, he had 22 points, six assists, and four steals. And uh, six rebounds as well, so he filled out the box score. Uh, what about this guy? That's a great acquisition, a conference player of the year that had great success in two years at North Texas, and he can come in and obviously uh, add instant production for uh, Jerome Tang. Yeah, you know, they're they're losing Marquise Noel, uh, obviously Keontae Johnson, two big pieces of that that team last year uh, that had such great success and. You know, I, th- I think when you lose two key players, I mean, we just talked about this with Des Moines Hodge and Kobe Brown, like kind of similar stories of a, a roster that has newcomers to it, impact transfers. Tyler Perry is one of those guys, um, guy that can can really shoot the ball. Uh, he shot 41% uh, in each of the previous two seasons prior to, to coming in, to Kansas State and landing in Manhattan. A guy that, you know, I think the assist numbers are what I'm going to keep looking at for Tyler Perry because he's very much a score-first guard. He's undersized. He's, you know, 5'11". Uh, so, uh, you know, you look at last year with Marquise Noel, undersized point guard. Marquise could score it, uh, but Marquise was such a playmaker. Uh, he could get to the second level. He could get to the paint, make plays for others, could play in pick and roll. But he found balance of finding ways to score and find ways finding ways to facilitate. And ultimately, defensively, he was great with his hands, too, for being undersized. Um, you know, he would get beat at times, and, and obviously the, the mismatches in terms of just size, yes, but Marquise was very good defensively, too, and obviously the competitive dog that Marquise Noel was. I mean, highly competitive, great leader, all those things, and, and something that Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel did such a great job of is just sharing that mantle from a leadership perspective. That's going to be missed, and that's something that Coach Tang's got to really find uh, of who are your leaders, who are your guys that are going to carry you. Um, Naquan Tomlin, you know, his situation off the floor is impacting the start of this season for Kansas State. He is their best returner, obviously. He is a guy that can change the game with his size and athleticism. Uh, He has improved, too, with his jump shot. I know Kansas State fans are are waiting patiently to see what happens there. But when you look at Tyler Perry, great start for for him. Uh, Great night. USC is a very good team. And, you know, I, I think K-State in that game, they missed some bunnies, missed some layups uh, defensively. They had some breakdowns for sure. Um, but this is a team that can score the ball. And I don't worry about them shooting. You know, I know they, they, they didn't shoot all that well as a team. Uh, a lot of volume, but not a lot of made shots. And some of that comes down to shot selection. And a lot of that is just your first game. Um, you know, I think this is something that every team deals with. That first game, um, there's a lot of adrenaline. There's a lot of energy. It's, it's not practice. It's a game now. And, and sometimes guys can get off script. They can force a little bit. The excitement and that, that adrenaline rush can kind of maybe take over. And, you know, you, you, you got to stay focused. And I think sometimes there was some, some lost focus there offensively in particular. But K-State's going to be fine. You know, it's a good test right out of the gate on the road against a really good USC team that is very talented. They arguably, you know, Isaiah Collier is a really good player. He's going to be in the conversation when we start talking draft down the road. Uh, just a tremendous point guard and a great scorer. And look, it was a game K-State's going to learn from and grow from. But um, Tyler Perry's going to be a huge, huge key to this team all season. But can he score it? 
and can he find that balance as a passer and as a point guard? That's going to be remain to be seen for him. Here's another interesting transfer. Uh, Arthur Kaluma from Creighton ends up at K-State. Six foot seven, average over 11 points and almost six rebounds a game for Creighton. Uh, and known for uh, being a quality defender uh, and a guy that's coming from a, a very successful program. Like it's one thing to, to, to go from North Texas to K-State. You want mm-hmm. to test yourself, right, against mm-hmm. the big boys. I mean, Creighton, they are one of the big boys. And yeah. you don't, you don't yeah. see a whole lot of, I mean, I, at least, I mean, I don't know. That that's, seems like a destination program now. We'll talk about them. They're a top-10 team this year to start off. Uh, but what about uh, Kaluma going from Creighton to K-State? Uh, what's he going to bring to uh, the Wildcats? Yeah, so in just talking about Marquise Noel, I, I think a lot of the the conversation around Arthur Kaluma is could he come in and not you know not filling the shoes of Keontae Johnson because Keontae was just such a, a big time player and that's that's a guy that's tough shoes to fill with Keontae Johnson for anybody. But I think the thought with Arthur Kaluma is can you match him with Nate Juan Tomlin and David Nagesson? Could he potentially? Show some things to play the three and the four. Um, you know, primarily he was a four at Creighton. Uh, you, you mentioned it. Creighton's a great team, well coached, great system, great you know structure in terms of what they've done in, in in the Big East, and obviously great season last year. Everybody pretty much back for the most part, outside of a few. Um, but Arthur Kluma wanted to change the scenery. Um, I think he wanted to come to Kansas State to show he might be able to do some other things uh, and be a, more of a different role than he was going to play at Creighton probably this year. So. I think it's a it's a fit for for both sides actually, um, and I think Arthur's got a great opportunity in front of him. Not the night you want to have right out of the gate going one for eleven from the field. Um, you know, just just struggled some of that a little bit forcing zero for five from three. Um, I, th- I think someone that's you know had some ups and downs in terms of consistency, but man, when he's got it going, he's a very good player, and he's a guy that can make shots. He's a guy that uh, really from a, a rebounding standpoint can bring a lot to this team. He's a great offensive rebounder. That's what he's really natural at doing. He had nine rebounds against USC. Eight of those were defensive. He's a very good rebounder. And and so I think that comes in and helps Kansas State, that he's going to be a focal point on the glass. That'll help with David Nagesson. Hopefully when Naquan Tomlin comes back, they'll be able to limit teams to one shot, and they'll be able to be way more versatile defensively. Um, that's the area that I think Arthur Kaluma needs to show this year is can he guard? Can he guard threes? Can he move his feet and guard on the perimeter, be switchable? And offensively, you know, can he find that ability to stay consistent, to knock down open shots, to not force, to play within the structure of the offense, to play off Tyler Perry and Dede Ames, some of these guards that, that are, are good passers, good creators. Let's see how it how it goes for, for Arthur. Not a great start, but someone that absolutely is a key. Played 36 minutes. He's going to have to do that, especially with Naquan out. Arthur Kaluma's got to find that consistency. He's a huge part of this team. K-State a tournament team? I think at full strength, yes. I think there's someone that's – We, I was thinking coming in on this, you know, driving into to the studio to do this podcast. Last year when we looked at these three schools with Missouri, Kansas, uh, Kansas State, and then obviously Creighton as well, all four of those teams were, were solid all year last year. They had some ups and downs, as, as every team does. But when we got to March, all four of those teams were, were dangerous teams. Um, and at full strength, they had players on their roster uh, that were high-level players, productive players, guys that you know, have gone on to the NBA now. Um, so I think when you look at these four schools, they're replacing some of that, but they have enough that has returned that are were key pieces of last year's teams that are going to bode well for them. And, and as we always know in March, to get to March, experience matters. Um, you do want to have roster retainment. Every coach will tell you that, especially in the NIL world and the portal world. 
And all these schools, these four schools, particularly locally, have guys that are returning, and they've added some good transfers. They've added some good freshmen. I think there's the roster buildup that that has gone on with these schools. I wouldn't be surprised if all these four schools are still competitive this year. Just like it might be a little different in terms of the ranking and and the records and where they are seed line come March. But I think they have all the ability. Uh, to be able, at full strength, to be able to get to where they want to go in March. All right, let's hit uh, Kansas. And look, they always have a great recruiting class and uh, big names out of high school. Um, and, and they've been, obviously, a popular destination for transfers. But th- th- this conversation begins and ends with H- Hunter Dickinson. Yep. That's the number one guy in the transfer portal. It, it's an, I mean, you, you could tell me what, how he's considered as far as an NBA prospect. But, you know, a seven-footer. Uh, averaged 18 and a half points and nine rebounds a game for Michigan. Just an absolute stud and was the crown jewel of the transfer portal. How good is he and how does he fit into what Bill Self does at Kansas? Yeah, so Hunter is definitely the the number one transfer uh, that was out there for Michigan. Um, most sought out transfer. Um, true seven-footer um, and someone that I mean, fits Kansas perfectly. They, they, Kansas needed a, a true five. Uh, they needed someone that they could have on the block, back to the basket, um, and had an ability to step out a little bit and pass and, and, and play within you know, the structure with DeWan Harris, K.J. Adams, Kevin McCuller, those guys that are back. Um, and Hunter, what he provides right away is finishing. He's a great finisher. He's highly efficient. He was highly efficient the other night in their first game. He was 8-9 from the field. Um, thought it was really impressive that Hunter was three of three from three. Uh, that's something he wants to do more of is shoot more threes. Something he really didn't do a lot of at Michigan. He could do it, but it, within the structure of how he was played at Michigan, it was more so him on the block. Uh, every now and then you'd see him, you know, free throw line extended or playing in drags where he's setting high ball screens and rolling. I think within Kansas' structure, he's going to work really well with KJ Adams and Dewan. Um, it's, I think KJ Adams is going to find many of times where he's going to have lobs everywhere because Hunter's very unselfish and he's a very underrated passer for a big. He's great passing out of the block. I think that's something that Kansas fans can be excited about. Is it's not just throwing him him the ball in the block and him going to score or dunking balls. He's versatile. Like he, you can throw it to him and he's going to draw doubles and someone's going to be wide open. He's going to find that open look. Um, so guards and, and wings are going to love playing with Hunter because he is a very unselfish passer. Um, you can play him on the block. You can play him at the elbows. You can play with him in the ball screen. Uh, you can pitch and follow with him in DHOs. He can play on the side um, and play in space in terms of playing in the short roll and and also playing like in, in the in the pocket, which is mostly you know when you set the ball screen and you're slipping and you're in that like uh, extended elbow, you know, extended block area right around 10, 15 feet. He's got good footwork and he's got that patented left hand that he can go right over the top right shoulder and everybody knows it's coming and he can still get to it and he can still finish it. Um, very smart player. Um, a guy that's a, a rebounding, productive, big. Can he protect the rim? I think is a question mark. Can he block shots? Can he impact shots at the rim and alter shots like we've seen from some Kansas bigs in the past uh, that Coach Self has had? Can he be that presence on defense? He's more of a drop big and pick and roll. They're going to try to switch with him and see if he can move his feet. Um, that was something, you know, Doka Azabuke back in the day, you know, really trying to get him in great shape to where they could bring him out defensively and have him switch or hard hedge and be able to play uh, on that side of the ball defensively. Can Hunter Dickinson do that? Those are all areas. Hunter's got some some heavy feet, but he's got he's in tremendous shape. He's a great you know great athlete in terms of his conditioning level. Um, but can he show he can move his feet on defense? That's a big question with Hunter. But 
obviously should be in the conversation for Big 12 Player of the Year and National Player of the Year. He's that good. He's that consistent. And it's a it's it's one of the better you know pieces to one of the power schools right now at the top. It's the reason why Kansas is ranked so high. Hunter Dickinson is just that good, and I think it fits what Coach Self wants to do. They've implemented their two-game, which I know really well. They played that all the time with, with their bigs at Kansas back in the day. Coach Self got away from that. He wanted to play more four, four guards um, when he had Christian Brown and Jalen Wilson and Ochai Baji. He's going back to that sort of two-man game with K.J. Adams as a four. You got way more ability to play block-to-block with your forwards. Uh, so let's see how that, that works for Kansas this year. So uh, looking at him uh, from the perspective of an NBA scout, uh, what, what, what kind of prospect is he? It's tough with Hunter. I mean, I think he's definitely someone that's that's everybody knows about. I mean, obviously, he's an older player. Um, he returned for a reason. It's a smart decision, um, especially when you talk about NIL and you have college eligibility. He loves playing college basketball. I think getting out of the Big Ten was probably a good move um, as well. I mean, he's he's definitely known in that league. Uh, he's he's played in that system and that structure for so many years, and he, and I think he's done a great job with that and he's been he was great at Michigan I, I think he just wanted something different and, and maybe a way to play a little differently or maybe he could showcase a little bit more uh for for our level he you know is there a tremendous upside like some of these other freshman bigs that you know are are maybe a little bit more raw than obviously Hunter is yeah maybe because it's just a different conversation when you talk about the, the the athletic explosiveness and the lateral ability and the hip mobility like all those things playing the five at the NBA level is so hard it's so hard to do it's one of the t- everybody talks about point guard at the NBA level and and I would say the center position is so difficult because it's more of a modern day game you got to be really athletic you got to rim protect you got to be able to showcase some explosiveness uh, but there is a place for a back to the basket big uh, that maybe, you know, we, we have Jonas Valanciunas uh, in New Orleans. He, he's not a guy you switch out with and guard, you know, in space and guard on the perimeter, but he's a double-double waiting to happen every night. He's strong. He's physical. Hunter is a strong – he's deceptively strong because you look at him and he's, you know, he's not like Thomas Robinson, but he is a very strong kid. I mean, he, he can really handle physicality. He takes shots night in and night out. He gets double-teamed all the time, sometimes triple-teamed. He can handle that. I think playing to his strengths, showcasing a little bit more, but just be dominant in what you do. Have a great year. Uh, he should he should be able to to have the year he wants to have, especially with how Coach Self is going to play him. It's a Hall of Fame head coach. He's the best coach in college basketball. Coach Self's going to get everything out of him and, and try to really showcase what he's able to do. Hopefully he's in that conversation in this year's draft because I, I think that's ultimately going to be a conversation where let's see what he does this year. Let's see if he brings anything differently that we're seeing uh, to really help his case. And clearly uh, Kansas, a national championship contender, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think they, they do have question marks just like every team, every team we're going to talk about, you know, I think this is a similar question with Creighton too. throw them in there. Creighton's Creighton's different in terms of how they're going to play than Kansas, but bench depth, bench depth, who comes off the bench to help you? And then secondly, I think something different for Kansas and Creighton is, is going to be talked about like uh, three-point three shooting. Who, who's going to step up and make threes? You know, you look at years past with Kansas. Jalen Wilson was their three-point weapon last year. Uh, obviously, Grady Dick, too. I mean, th- th- those two guys really could shoot the basketball. Grady was there's their number one option from three. But Jalen shot the ball really well from three, too. So you had those two guys that were heavy three-point shooters. And then you look at it from a, just a conversation around, you know, Kevin McCullers back. Um, and he shot the ball really well the, the other night. I mean, Kevin hit, went four of seven from three. Uh, Hunter went three of three from three. They got a couple threes from Johnny Furphy, who I think Johnny is probably their most naturally 
you know, from just when you watch Johnny Furphy shoot, shoot the ball, his mechanics are so smooth. Uh, he shoots the ball kind of like Svee did, uh, Svee Mikhailuk. Very natural stroke. Uh, high release point, quick release, great size. He's legit 6'8". Very smart player. But like some international players, and especially something that Svee dealt with, just physically not developed yet for the Big 12, not developed yet for college basketball. He'll get there, but they got to play him because he's such a great shooter. He's a, he's a threat to shoot the basketball, and he's going to do that. So it's they got to find those roles and identify that. If Kevin McCuller can shoot the ball... At a, and he's he's gotten rid of, of the hitch. If Kevin can shoot the ball at 38%, 37%, man, that's going to help so much. And I, I do think Hunter's got to shoot threes. Like they, He has to stretch it because that's going to open up the paint a little bit more for Dewan and open up the paint for KJ and Hunter to play on the block. They have to stretch the defense uh, to shoot the ball. Um, they'll probably see a good amount of zone uh, throughout the year. What does all Marco Jackson do? They're talented freshmen. That's a McDonald's All-American. Um, I hope I hope that that's kind of identifies itself. Nick Timberlake is another guy they got in the transfer. That's a shooter. They they have the the personnel that possibly can get them over the hump, but can they do that on a consistent basis like they've done in years past? And then you you mentioned Creighton, like the guys back: Baylor Shireman, Ryan Kolkbrenner, um, Trey Alexander. Those are the three. Um, Stephen Ashworth that they got from Utah State. You'll know that name from from the Mizzou Utah State, you know, NCAA tournament matchup. Really good shooter. I didn't hear what you said. Yeah. <laughs> well, we won't talk about right. that. Yeah, we won't talk about that. The um the, they're they're just a very, you know, it, it's it's what they how they play, really. Like the the spacing, the shooting. Stephen Ashworth is a perfect fit for that system. Um, you know, I think Trey Alexander's gonna have the ball in his hands more. Creighton fans can get really excited about that because he's such a great dynamic athlete. Really good defensively, lockdown defender, but can shoot the ball and can play with the ball uh, in pick and roll. So something to look for with Creighton. I thought the uh, Mizzou Princeton game was stupid. Yeah, so that was bad. rough. That was rough. Not um, a not a good day for you know Kobe Brown and Moy Hodge not to have their best nights. Okay, so, so we're gonna end our first episode. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Love it. I didn't even prep you on this. Okay. There's an article we talked about on the morning show today on the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. I quizzed Nate Bucati on this. Uh, I. He failed. He really didn't, but I just want to say that he failed. Um, so at CBSSports.com, they had an interesting article uh, where they had a panel of college basketball writers, including Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander, vote on a top 25 of college coaches. Ooh, okay. Active college coaches. And it's an interesting time, right? It feels like there's a time of transition because so, so this past offseason – uh, we said goodbye to Jim Beheim mm-hmm. and Bob Huggins uh, as active coaches. Yep. And then very recently, Mike Krzyzewski, Jay Wright, Roy Williams. And so when you came up with a top five of active coaches, you knew Jay Wright was going to be in there. You knew Coach K was going to be in there. Mm-hmm. You knew Roy Williams was going to be in there. Huggy was probably going to be in the top ten somewhere. Beheim, you had to mention him. And then Bill Self's always going to be in there, right? Yep. Now, it's like, it's Bill Self, and they have Bill Self number one. Okay. He has two championships. And then after that, it's a pretty kind of wide open, yeah. you know, conversation. I'm going to tell you who they have in their top five. And you tell me who, the, who who should be in there that's not in there. Or if you're sold on it, you like it or whatever. Okay. Now, I don't think this is a top five of like, like active where they are right now at the peak of their powers. Because I think number two is a resume. Mm. Number two is Tom Izzo. Yep. And they are top five, but they did lose to James Madison. But, like, if you look at resumes now, Bill Self and then 
I think you go with Tom Izzo. Yeah. But I don't know if he's the second best coach when you involve right like right now going. Mm-hmm. Their top five is Bill Self, Tom Izzo, Kelvin Sampson, number three. Oh, wow. I like that. Mark Few, number four, and Scott Drew, number five. I kind of feel like I'd put Few higher. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Because they're, I mean, they just, they haven't won a championship, but they're always so good. Mm-hmm. And they're always, I mean, it's, at some point they're going to break through, but I don't That's always the tough part. Not. Is it, are we, is this about, you know, championships? Is this about where they're at currently? Just right now. Yeah. I want to know right, and then I'll just give you the top 10 rounds out. Tony Bennett, Dan Hurley, mm-hmm. Coach Cal, <laughs> Rick Pitino at St. John's. Wow. Welcome the 71-year-old <laughs> Rick Pitino. <laughs> right. He's a lover, not a fighter. Uh, and Matt Painter, number 10. Wow. Wow. And number 10. So, so no Nate Oates. Nate Oates is, Eric. give me names, I'll tell you what they are. Nate Oates is number 19. Okay. Eric Musselman. Eric Musselman 19. took his shirt off <laughs> and then was ranked number 12. Okay. Nate Oates at 19. Wow. Oh, you're hitting him. Come on. Let's, let's see if, how All many right. more you can name. Uh, let's like, see. Guys, here. you think this should be in consideration here? Is, is uh, Let me ask you this. Is Juwan Howard in the top 20? No. Okay. Um, Let's see. Let's go with. Hmm. Uh, let's go with Shaka Smart. Shaka Smart. This will uh, make Nate Bucati furious. He's number sixteen. Number sixteen. Wow. Okay. And that, I mean, I, I think when if you so of the Big Twelve, Scott Drew, Bill Self in the top five, and, and well now Kelvin. and Kelvin now with with the okay. Let's go with uh, where's Rick Barnes in this conversation? Rick Barnes is in it. I have I have uh, previously looked at this list. He is number 20. Number 20. Okay. Um, I'll just give you the rest of the names. Yeah, I was going to say. So, uh, so Bruce Pearl's got to be somewhere in there, right? Yeah. So, Painter's 10. Mick Cronin's 11. Eric Musselman, 12. Bruce Pearl, 13. Then it goes Tommy Lloyd, Randy Bennett, Shaka Smart, Greg McDermott, Greg Ed McDermott, Cooley, yeah. number 18. Nate Oates, 19. Rick Barnes, 20. Ed Cooley ahead of Nate Oates and Rick Barnes. Whatever. Hmm. Uh, Sean Miller's 21. Jim Laranegas, 22. Chris Holtman, 23. Brian Dutcher's 24. Buzz Williams, 25. I love that McDermott's in the top 20. Okay. That's, that sticks out. Um, I'm a big McDermott fan. I love how I, – I liked him when he was at Iowa State. So, I've always been a McDermott fan, and what he's done at Creighton, the way he plays, the style of play, just going to his practices. He's just a – I think he could be an NBA coach personally. But um, I think, you know, Kelvin Sampson being up there – I like that. I think sometimes he doesn't get enough respect. I'm really curious to see how Houston does in right. the Big 12. And does Mark Few and Gonzaga end up in the Big 12? Like, that's kind of a question mark, too. That'd be fun, so right? Let me, let me I, would, ask, I would enjoy that. Let me ask you this way. Okay, Bill Sell's number one. For sure. Okay. Why not? No doubt. If if he's number one, then who would you put number two? Um, I mean, I think the fact that Izzo's two... It's all. I think that makes sense, just because Tom Izzo, the amount of Final Four appearances. I think they need to have a strong year this year. Didn't get off to a great start. Like, as is we he see. better than Mark Few? Like right now, I'm not talking about resumes, but like right now, who has a better it's, program? It's tough because the Big Ten has been pretty, pretty loaded and pretty competitive over the last few years. They haven't necessarily showed well, obviously, in the NCAA tournament, but it's a tough league, and you could argue, you know, Mark Few and Gonzaga their level of competition in league play through, throughout their, the, the regular season and, and in conference play to get to the NCAA tournament. Mark Few's done a great job rebuilding Gonzaga, the amount of NBA talent that's come through there. I think it's a great conversation. Uh, Few should be up there, yeah. Do I put him over Izzo? Probably not right now, in my mind. Um, 
I'm a big Izzo fan, first off. I do think the the track record of Tom Izzo, the amount of Final Fours, the amount of wins, I think they need to have a big year this year. I think that is important to say just because their team is loaded. They have everything they need to go on a long, long March run. They got upset at home, game one, as the number four team in the country. Let's see how they respond. But I, I, I think Izzo, yeah, I think from just a – overall big picture of what he's been able to do as a head coach, I, I think he's got to be up there, at least in the top three, for sure, for me. Rick Pitino will fail or succeed at St. John's? Or will he be, you know, making the NCAA tournament and leaving for another job? That's Is that a success or a failure? So that's not, you don't think it's a destination for him? I don't think so. I think he'll look for another job, personally, but um, I think he'll succeed there. Um, I was listening to his post game last night. They, they played their first game and, and won, and you can tell he definitely wants to you know, try to paint himself that he's coaching in a much different way than what he was doing in the past. Um, he's trying to hope so. He's playing, trying to play a different style. Uh, he's trying to coach differently and motivate differently. Um, I, I appreciate that, that he's trying to evolve. Uh, he knows he's an older coach, and he doesn't want to get stuck, you know, in that thought of a recruit of, you know, this is an older coach. It's going to be an old. He wants to play a fast-paced tempo. He he is going to have his own imprint of, you know, game preparation and and practice preparation, all those things that are are, are going to probably carry him um, on his past experiences and his past stops. That'll still be there with his program, but they are going to look to do things differently. I know that from just a staff 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 standpoint. So I would say yes. I think he will have success there, but I don't think this is his final stop. I think within two years, Dennis Gates and Jerome Tang should both be on this list. No question about it. No question about it. That's Maybe a within a year. Point. Great point. I, everywhere you go, and there are some other younger coaches out there that you know you hope to see get in this list for sure. I think there is, like to your point earlier, there is a little bit of a changing of, there are some older coaches that are still here that are evolving with the NIL piece. There are some coaches that have moved on. Um and some of these, you know, younger coaches and these longtime assistants that are getting, you know, opportunities. Tommy Lloyd was a great name there of a guy that is is doing a great job. And I think they, when you look at this list, there's some names on there that you're like, where's this, this going to be next year and in two years and in three right. years? Um, we might be talking about some other guys for sure. I think that, Dan Hurley will be knocking on the door right behind Bill Self in a couple of years. I like Hurley a lot. I like Hurley a lot, and they got a lot of parts back. We drafted Jordan Hawkins from that national championship team. Um, you know, I, I I think he's done a ter- terrific job. And you look at, you know, the league UConn is in, very competitive basketball league. Um, they're there right there with Creighton and Marquette and Villanova and, you know, St. John's, and it, I, that league is going to be fun to watch this year. Um, so, yeah, I, I think from a – just looking at it from a high-level overview of, of where coaches are at, and I see these sometimes these rankings, and there's coaches, like we just talked on this with Izzo, that are just those older names that you're thinking, okay, what have they done recently? But they, they do have a track record there, but then there's some of these younger coaches that are coming, and Dennis Gates and, and Jerome Tang are absolutely two of those coaches that can do that. All right, that's it for the first episode of uh, this season of House of Hustle. Love up our sponsor, our wonderful uh, friends at Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle, thank you for for everything you do for us, first off, and, and this podcast. But thank you for, for everything you're doing, for, for everything local, for everything uh, Kansas City sports fans, and 
now with your your college you know department and where the college growth has been not just from the local schools but all the schools around the country now um especially you know Tyler Perry getting some NIL love and uh, the players uh, Marco Jackson's got his his shirt out for for KU fans so great place to get stocked up uh with your your local teams and local schools heading into the college basketball season and like you said Christmas right around the corner I, I've had some Charlie Hustle gifts in the past for Christmas and let me just tell you, I, I, I rep it proudly, just like I'm doing today, always. Thanks ahead of time for my uh, Luther Burden the Third t-shirt. I appreciate that. I rocked hey. it yesterday. I rocked it yesterday. And until the next episode, we've got some great guests coming up. We have Sophie Cunningham. We're going to have uh, Phil Pressey. We're going to work on getting some NBA guests, uh, some, of your, uh, some of the people that you have close ties with in the NBA and in college basketball. So, we're going to have a lot of guests and a lot of fun this season. Yeah, man. it's, it's going to be fun. I, I'm, I'm happy to be doing this for a second season with you personally. Just uh, always great to share the airwaves with the great Stephen St. John. But uh, really excited about the, 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 the season ahead and the interviews we'll be bringing you and all the content uh, across uh, college basketball, the NBA, uh, and everything in the hoops world. And just remember, until the next episode of House of Hustle, Kansas City's for hustlers, baby. 